Joey, my man, thank you again. Going to have to get Joey on for an interview sometime soon. We can talk a little bit about Joey and, uh, and his music and our friendship in high school. Everyone, thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. You can tell I'm a little under the weather, a little, little sick, but hey, I'm going to power right through it. I've got some performance enhancers. If you hear something slapping around in my mouth a little bit, it's a, a cough drop. So yeah, broadcast professionalism at its finest, but hey, it helps. It helps a little bit and helps me able to uh, to just keep talking and, and not feel that little that little tickle in the back of the throat. How's everybody doing? Feels like I haven't had a lot of uh, a lot of talking recently because last week we only had a, a short show. Was in Texas for um, visiting girlfriend and family. Seem to be doing a little bit better now. Keep uh, keep Stephanie's dad in your thoughts and prayers. He is having some surgery, so well that positive energy. We'll, we'll take plenty of it. Same thing with my dad. He's getting a little bit better too. He's had some surgery and had a kidney stone issue and then some prostate stuff, but he's feeling a little bit better. So uh, hopefully on the mend, now we can focus back in on the important stuff. Like who's in the finals of the best animated Disney movies? <laughs> uh, so we're going to go to the Lion King. Versus Toy Story. It started out with 128 movies down to Toy Story versus The Lion King. What do you guys think? Are those the, the two best animated Disney movies ever? Are we way off? I mean, don't get mad at me. You are the ones all voting on this. Follow along on Twitter. It's me, Gino B. So is it The Lion King? Is it Toy Story? We will find out oh so soon. And then next up, it's going to be best wrestling movies because it's SummerSlam week, and we're going to talk a little bit of uh, WWE today on the show, and then we're going to have on the next episode, Chad Cooper is going to be coming on. We're going to do an interview with Chad. We're going to break down the SummerSlam card and talk a little bit about all elite wrestling and just kind of wrestling in general. We'll hit what's cool when we uh, we discuss uh, with Chad on the next show. We'll be able to hit a ton of different topics. So really looking to that. Look, looking forward to that interview. Before we jump into uh, the different segments. In this show, I'm going to talk a little bit about Orange is the New Black, the show. It was the first real big Netflix streaming show, and it kind of changed the way that we consume content online and, and TV shows in particular. So I'm going to talk about the show a little bit. We'll break down a, a bit of what happened to close things out. We'll talk some Hard Knocks. Watched episode one of Hard Knocks with the Raiders. Going to give my thoughts on that. We'll get into some horse racing news and then some plays. Delmar Thursday, have a play for you. And then Colonial Downs, opening day is Thursday. So we'll have a couple plays from Colonial Downs. Close things out with a little WWE discussion. On this day, August the 7th, I noticed there were a lot of big stars, big events that happened. On this past August the 7th. Let's go back to 1907. Walter Johnson wins his first game ever. The first of 416 career wins. Legendary pitcher. The Washington Senators got the W. In a 7-2 victory against Cleveland. How about Babe Ruth? 1929 Yankee slugger Babe Ruth tied the MLB record by hitting grand slams in consecutive games. For the second time. 19. Let's see, where are we going to go next? Where are we going to go next? 1956, Boston Red Sox slugger Ted Williams was fined $5,000 for spitting at heckling Boston fans. It was his third incident in three weeks for the feisty Ted Williams. 1960, Arnold Palmer's 20th PGA Tour win. 1972, couple all-time greats inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame, Yogi Berra and Sandy Koufax. 1992, the Orlando Magic signed Shaquille O'Neal, the Diesel, the Shaq Daddy. Love Shaq, obviously, as a Laker fan. And then another Laker bit of news. In 2000, Lakers announced the retirement of former star player and executive vice president of basketball operations, Jerry West. They named Mitch Kupchak to succeed him. And we've seen Jerry West be very successful everywhere else he's gone so far, right? Even in Memphis, people don't talk about Memphis. He did a great job there. 
Got them turned around. Golden State. Now the Clippers. If not the best, uh, you'd have to... What do we... Maybe Theo Epstein? I mean, if we're talking all-time greatest executives, it's got to be Jerry West on the very, very short list. 2004, Cubs pitcher Greg Maddox. Maddox was one of my all-time favorite baseball players. I absolutely loved him because he was so cerebral. He wasn't more talented than you. He painted the corners. He never threw 90, 95. Just off speeds, changing things up, perfectly placed. Got his 300th career victory, Greg Maddox. And then in 2007, Bonds, Barry Bonds hit career home run 756 to break Hank Aaron's longstanding record. 2010, another Hall of Fame in the NFL with a couple greats, Jerry Rice and Emmett Smith, both inducted in 2010. In 2016, Michael Phelps was part of the men's 4x100 meter freestyle relay team at Rio. He earned his 19th Olympic gold medal record number 19 for Michael Phelps. It was a big day. Former August 7th, on this day, on July the 11th, 2013, Netflix's most-watched original series began. Orange is the New Black is the most-watched original series ever on Netflix. Seven seasons, 13 episodes each, 91 total episodes, nominated for Emmy Awards, Golden Globe Awards, British TV Awards, Grammy Awards, SAG Awards, TV Critic Awards, over 150, nominated for 155 awards, 146 of them, so far, they've had six different actresses nominated for individual awards, which is incredible. And it really goes to show the strength of the show. Because what this show is, it started about Piper, the life of Piper Kerman, who served 13 months in jail. In the show, she served 16. She was sentenced to federal prison for money laundering and drug trafficking. And the show is based on the written memoirs of the actual life of Piper Kerman. What's incredible about this show is it just changed the way we watch TV. First of all, this is a massive cast and almost entirely female. All of the major characters are female. They're all ethnic. And it's not like a show where there's five people and you have One white guy, a black guy, an Asian, a female. It's like it feels like when you watch shows sometimes they have to check all of the ethnicity boxes. I mean, this show was not like that at all. There were so many women coming in and out that you never really thought of it in the terms of of race because it was just such a mixing and a melting pot. It It was just unlike any other show we've seen. So it takes us through the story of Piper who she's sentenced to jail 10 years after the drug trafficking and the money laundering. So this woman who, like many of us do, has kind of a I mean, I don't think, I don't know how many of us were money laundering and drug trafficking, but we all rebel a little bit when you're late, you know, teens, 20s, middle 20s until you kind of figure things out and then maybe you settle down a little bit more and that's what happened with Piper she had settled down she had a family or she was engaged now she was in a nice quiet kind of boring home and she had a boring life but then boom she gets rocked for a crime she committed 10 years before when she was a completely different person or so she thought she goes into prison and she she sees the woman who turned her in her ex-lover is in there And so now, through the time in prison, she interacts with all of these different characters, all of these different people, and we are, we're taken on a ride on all the different individual backstories of all these women. Piper's our way into the jail, but then once we're in, as the season, as the the show expands and and it continues on season by season by season you 
get more involved with the other women and we see less and less of Piper. That's what's so interesting about this show. Would a show like this or would shows that are like this now even really ever be able to make it on television? Because on broadcast television, which is such a star-driven, ratings-driven, instant kind of gratification business, would there be able to be a show like this that focuses in on so many different characters and you don't talk about one of the women or you don't really see a whole lot about one of them for four or five episodes? But then you come back and an entire episode is all about Suzanne, crazy eyes. But then you don't see Suzanne for three or four episodes. Would that model have ever worked on TV? I don't know. Because with the week to week to week, you feel like you kind of need to check in on everyone too often. That's what's great about Netflix and all these streaming services. A lot of the restrictions from television as we've known it are gone. So in season seven... There are going to be some spoilers, not a, I mean, not a ton. Piper is released from prison after marrying Alex. Now they're prison wives. This is her ex, who she's over the, you know, the last six seasons been on and off and up and down and back and forth and around with. Now she's out of Piper's out of jail. Alex is still in jail, and they're trying to manage their relationship as well as Piper trying to. Get used to life back on the outside. She's a felon. You know, she has only certain jobs that she's, you know, allowed to get. She has to end up working for her dad. Does she tell everybody she's a felon all the time? She can't drink and do drugs and go out certain places and at certain times. And so she's dealing with all of this while Alex is in prison, still dealing with everything on the inside. Two completely different worlds. I love this show all the way through. I thought the fifth and the sixth season were a little bit down. It's hard to when you are such. This is a great show, and it started great, and I think it ended great. But it's hard to stay at that high level all the way through. So now Piper is out. She's dealing with her brother, who now has a baby. Her ex fiance and her best friend they're now together, and they're having a baby together. This was a quote from Allison Herman at The Ringer who was writing about Orange is the New Black. Such a massive cast with scores of names to remember and bit players who fade into the background for hours at a time likely couldn't have been released on a weekly schedule. It wasn't just that Orange helped put streaming on the map. It suggested there was a way to make TV specifically for streaming. And, you know, I interpret this as just Because of a show like Orange is the New Black, because of the opportunities that Netflix gave it to take more chances, people do now. This is a hugely influential show because it changed the way we watch. This was one of the first real binge shows that came out all at once. You watch the full season in just a few days or, you know, as quickly as you can. You're not waiting every Thursday night to watch. I thought they did a really good job of wrapping up the show as best they can. I mean, we're talking 50 plus women that were like major characters on this show throughout. And so they had to go through and they did a really good job at the end. Just because in the last season, you didn't have all of the character stories, but in the very last episode, they went through and they showed you how everybody was going to end up. Almost everybody. We still didn't see Bennett, right? But we see Piper and Alex and we see Tasty and and she's going to be teaching now. And Red is unfortunately uh, going through early onset dementia and she's having to take care of, of Lorna who can't cope with the fact that she's lost a kid. And then we see Nikki who's kind of becoming the new cook and the new mom and sad to see Doggett. Go, But what's great is they go through all of the characters And just give them a little goodbye That last episode is really good And some sad endings for some The In this season There was um, a lot about the, the ice And you saw some of the women Have to get sent back uh, Get deported We see a change in one of the Characters, Daya Who was so sweet at the beginning We never end up finding out what happened to her baby daddy though Bennett we do see Porn Stash show up for just a, a moment. He's playing with his kids. And uh, 
couple of the women that we focused in on a lot this seventh season, Carla, she's left when she's trying to return to the U, uh, return to her sons, and she gets an injury and looks like she's gonna be left for dead. Blanca's out and free, loose check kind of finally stood up, did something right. We see some of the women that are out now, like Gloria with her kids, Maria. Is she's stuck in there, but she's reading. So I thought a really good ending. I was a big fan of Joe Caputo as the, the character, and uh, I liked the uh, how uh, Fig and Joe got together. And you could see the little girl at the end that they end up assuming that they end up uh, adopting her. They seem like they fall in love with this little girl. So just a good, good show. A, one that I've loved over the last decade or so. If you've never watched Orange is the New Black, I'm jealous of you. And I would highly recommend taking the time and checking it out. You have 91 episodes ahead of you. About there in the hour range. But great, great show. Orange is the New Black. Very sad to see it go. But Netflix is always coming up with new great shows. And another one that is actually coming out. This weekend is Glow. It's about the gorgeous ladies of wrestling, and it's about, but it's not, it's not a wrestling show. It's a show about them, these these women who are creating a wrestling company, and so it's it's like any show set somewhere. Not necessarily about the people. It's about the care. It's not necessarily about what they're doing. It's about the people. It's about the characters. It's a really good show. There's a lot of similarities, and some of the people who worked on Orange Is the New Black have worked on. Uh, and continue to work on Glow. Let's stay in the kind of TV content while we're talking streaming services. I was watching Hard Knocks for the Raiders on HBO Go, so you can pull that up on HBO Go streaming. So Hard Knocks is like the the true behind the scenes story for each team leading uh, through training camp leading up to the NFL season. So for this year, it's all about the Raiders. And a couple of the gripes that I saw, I thought it was an okay episode, episode one, but Hard Knocks usually is just what it says, Hard Knocks. They really, they generally don't pull a whole lot of punches. They'll deal with topics that are a little touchy, you know, they're not afraid to tell, call people out and to use, you know, history, statistics, talk about people's negative histories. We didn't see a whole lot of that. There are some characters that maybe they're going to get more into throughout throughout the uh, the series. We didn't even really hear about how bad the Raiders have been lately, right? It's been a first and foremost, you would think that that's where you're going to start and talk about how, you know, this team has not been a very good team as of late. But we didn't really hear that. We had some little tidbits where we saw Gruden talking about how Mark Davis wants to get this organization back to greatness. But we opened with Gruden right away saying, I'm not here for your dreams. This is your dream of being a football player, dream of doing this, dream of doing that. I'm not here for dreams. He said, I want to be here for the nightmares. I want you to end someone else's dreams, which I, I thought that was kind of a, a cool uh, cool line. We're going to obviously be seeing a lot about Antonio Brown, who was traded to the Raiders this year. And he's been one of the best, if not the best wide receiver in football the last five years or so. Antonio Brown's trying to work through foot injuries. He and he has to slow down in his workouts because he wants that injury to instantly be healed. And so he's maybe taking it a little bit farther and a little bit harder than he should right now. The rehabbing is always so difficult for athletes who want to go 100% and they're told you have to back up a little bit and just go 50 or 60 or 75. But they do show us a different side of Antonio Brown. He's with his kids. He's at the pool. Derek Carr, the quarterback, then comes on. He talks about his good connection with Antonio Brown. It's ever since they played together in a Pro Bowl a few years back. And we see Derek Carr. He's out with his kids. His three kids. He has a huge two-month-old baby. They're swimming. They're playing basketball. They're having a good time. Training camp for the Raiders is in Napa. And Antonio Brown goes for a little hot air balloon ride. We're then introduced to rookie safety Jonathan Abram, who is just, he is a character that I think they're going to focus a lot on. Obviously, he is fiery. He does not want to stop. 
And he does not like being told a whole lot He has a crazy personality Seems a little annoying, a little young, a little immature But man, this guy He can play And right away, he comes in He's got $500 worth of snacks He has five of every snack in the store at Target He bought all of those And throughout the episode, we see Issues where Abram has a tough time toning it down They're going through walkthroughs And they're having practices without pads And he's laying into people And you're just not supposed to do that So it's the beginning It's it's a little bit cute when you know they're, they're, Everyone's oh man this guy wants it He wants to play Then he starts pissing people off I mean he's his teammates are getting really mad at him And they're saying you wait till we get pads I'm going to nail you And that's not the type of tone you want to set Right off the bat in camp when you're a rookie With your own teammates You don't want to get people mad at you right off the bat It could be a long camp, it could be a long season But he pops up throughout He's at dinner He's talking about the filet mignon Or the salmon and the salmon And he said he's never going to change And you can see Derek Carr's out at dinner with him And he's trying to teach him He's Hey you're going to be going to places like this now Maybe we got to teach you a little bit And maybe he's going to school him a little bit of, uh, Of how to correctly Pronounce some of the names And maybe how to act a little bit but he said, I'm never going to stop being me. And Derek Carr agrees. Don't stop being you. Maybe just tone things down a little bit. They have the opening team meeting. The rules that Gruden lays down. Don't be late. Don't be overweight. Bust your ass. Use common sense. No rookie hazing. They're, uh, they're out on the practice field. And... Derek Carr put some sunscreen on And everyone is just ripping him and Making fun of him Because it looks like he baby oiled his arms up He's got a sleeveless shirt on And so his arms are just glimmering And it looks like he just bit. Everyone's coming by Did you oil those arms up? You baby oiled those things didn't you for the camera Look at you It's pretty funny um, And we see Antonio Brown's kids They are Asking Where's Roethlisberger? Dad, where's Roethlisberger? We're there to introduce to rookie DT Ronald Ollie, who is an undrafted free agent, and he was in Last Chance U on Netflix. So he has a little bit of a notoriety, which is not good for someone who's an undrafted rookie like that, because people they get at you a little bit. Oh, Rook, you're on Netflix, Netflix boy, Last Chance U. Like everybody was giving it to him a little bit. And uh we see Quentin Bell, who's also a rookie D-end. He's a roommate of Ollie, who, and he used to watch him on Last Chance You. So he's saying, man, it's weird. I used to watch you, and now we're roommates. And we then see a couple rookies, uh, Abram and Clellan Farrell. They're riding horses. Abram actually knows horses very well. Um, his family, you could tell he's grown up, up around it. He knows just the horse's tendencies, and he handles himself really well around a horse. We then see uh, Ronald Ollie again Who has a hurt Achilles His left side was aching And then Not only does he not is, is he missing time now Because he's injured He missed a treatment appointment in the morning with the doctors Which you're an undrafted free agent Now you're banged up And then you're missing treatment You're just not sending good signs that you want to be here And that you're going to go above and beyond So they cut him Just like that, Ronald Ollie's cut and it shows you how quick One guy in, one next guy out Westbrooks comes in, he takes his number Number 63, which Ollie just had Boom, instantly you're replaced It's a business You see rapper g Easy Show up there Guy Fieri shows up there Big Raider fan And when Richie Incognito is one that I'm sure will get some focus Remember Richie Incognito with the bullying story A few years back He has been uh, highly controversial He's suspended for a couple of games to start the season He's retired He's had run-ins with coaches and players all throughout And apparently he Wants to clean things up He wants to change things And he, and how he's looked at We'll see, that'll probably be a story Over the next uh, How Richie is able to deal with his teammates And how he is he leading Is he acting the correct way Next week's episode is going to be uh, The Practice with the Rams So we're going to see lots of Rams, Sean McVay And we'll see some of the interactions with the Raiders And the Rams We will recap Every episode of Hard Knocks This year, Hard Knocks Raiders Let's get to some of your horse racing news There will be A $20 million 
inaugural Saudi Cup. Saudi Arabia will host a $20 million race in February next year. The country's racing authority and members of the ruling family announced on Wednesday. The race called the Saudi Cup, scheduled for February 29th, would be four weeks after the Pegasus World Cup and four weeks before the Dubai World Cup. And, I mean, this would be huge, right? A $20 million race like this, it would be capped at 14 horses. The winner would get $10 million. Second place would get $3.5 million. Third place would get $2 million. Fourth, $1.5 million. Fifth place finisher still gets a million. And horses finishing tenth, finishing through 10th would get a portion of the purse. Would also have a large undercard. They want to have the richest race in the world. And that's what we've seen kind of a battle between Dubai, the Pegasus World Cup. They've wanted to be the richest race in the world. It could be huge. You never know when something like this is out. But I mean, that's the, diff- that's the thing about money. When the money is down, the stars are going to come, right? I think a plenty of horses will ship in. Plenty of people will take a swing for that $10 million to the winner. Wow. Some other uh, recent horse racing news. Omaha Beach, back in training. Third official work back was on Sunday, August the 4th. It was five furlongs in 59.80. Was the fastest of 75 at the distance. Mike Smith was up. Just after winning on McKinsey, he came back and worked Sunday morning. Remember, Omaha Beach was scratched three days before the Kentucky Derby with the entrapped epiglottis. Pointing to the shared belief stakes, August the 25th at Del Mar, three-year-olds going a mile. Kofivi, extremely impressive, winning the grade one test. Sat just off the pace behind Serengeti Empress. The goal for Kofivi is the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare's Sprint. She was so impressive two starts back. And that generally is what happens, right? You run the big race, and then it's hard to string them together. That's what we've seen with really good horses. You can run really well, but if you run a monster performance, the next one is just not likely going to be that good. That was the case for Kofivi, and then she just came back with an incredible performance. The fact that she can sit off the pace a little bit, if she's outside a speed horse... That shows that she has a different dimension. Extremely impressive from Kofivi. The Bob Baffert two-year-old, one of the most impressive two-year-olds we've seen. Eight rings. One first time out of the box at Del Mar over the weekend. Earned a 94 buyer speed figure in doing so. And will be pointed to the Del Mar futurity. You have to think he will be a very short price in there and tough. McKinsey won the Whitney. McKinsey now be pointing towards the awesome again as likely his lone final prep before the Breeders' Cup Classic where they will point McKinsey. He was very good in the Whitney. He beat a, a field that he was just better than and with a scratch of Thunder Snow, with that was like one of his major rivals taken out. The question with McKinsey that we're going to ask is the mile and a quarter his best distance? Feels like from a mile to a mile and an eighth, he is really good. And a mile and a quarter just might be a little bit too far for him. But when you look at this group of older horses, he might be good enough to still win at a mile and a quarter against this group, and it might not be his best distance. Yoshida, who's second behind McKinsey, will be pointing to the Woodward, the race that Yoshida won last year. Very impressive two-year-old filly for Simon Callahan. Amalfi Sunrise will be pointing to the Del Mar debutante. You have to imagine she will be the heavy favorite in there, extremely impressive in what we've seen for her. Mr. Money picks up another victory. Mr. Money, the three-year-old who we saw win at Churchill Downs on the undercard of Derby Day in the Pat Day Mile. He has been very good in the middle, the second-tier derbies. And he'll be pointing to a big one next in the Pennsylvania Derby where he will try to get his grade one. Colonial Downs will be opening on Thursday. I'm going to go through the, some of the Colonial Downs races in just a minute. A 15-day season. What I like about Colonial Downs is they have a good team signed on. Low takeout for the races. Big fields. Jason Beam calling. Give him a shot. I'm going to do a lot of Colonial Downs uh, plays and I'll look at uh, at least a couple of their races. I always want to give racetracks that come out with a good 
game plan and they're fan friendly and they're thinking of the betters right away with the low takeout, let's give them a chance. Let's give them some of our money. Let's take a look at some of these racing cards over at Colonial. Code of Honor working for the Travers. Mitoli likely be pointed to the forego on August the 24th. And it looks like that race might have Catalina Cruiser in it as well. From everything I'm reading, Catalina Cruiser will not be pointing to the Pacific Classic. They're either going to run at Del Mar in the Pat O'Brien or in the forego at Saratoga. And that could be a matchup with uh, Mitoli. Mitoli Catalina Cruiser could be fun. Midnight Bisu pointing to the personal ensign. And the same thing for Midnight Bisu as we say about McKinsey. They're probably your best older male and best older female. But do either one of them want to go the mile and a quarter in the true classic distances? They McCall, uh, McKinsey, probably a little bit better, shorter. Same thing for Midnight Bisu. Mile and an eighth seems perfect for her. Couple other Asmussen horses, uh, Zeramid pointing to the Saratoga Special, Basin and Shoplifted pointing to the Hopeful. The Arlington Million is this weekend. Couple of the uh, the races and the fields. Arlington Million, Bricks and Mortar is your eight to five favorite. Robert Bruce seven to two, and Magic Wand at five to one. Magic Wand is co is cross entered. He's uh, she, uh, she's also entered in the Beverly D. Sister Charlie is the eight to five favorite in the Beverly D. Fleeting is five to two in Magic One, three to one. If she goes in there, and then in the Secretariat, Fog of War, Faraway Kitten, Valid Point, and Crafty Daddy. They're your your top choices. Fog of War is three to one. Faraway Kitten nine to two. Valid Point and Crafty Daddy both at five to one. Gonna get to some of your recent posts. I had asked for some folks to give some of their thoughts early on in how the Saratoga and Del Mar meets have done for you. Let's get to some of your post. Corey the dog says nothing for me but airball tickets one after the other. Corey, I have had a struggle to start the meet also. Just we'll get a good one and then nothing good. And then can't just seem to connect. Don't worry, they're coming. Corey the dog. Doug Beckham. What? <laughs> Glenn Michelson says, many people disagree with me, but I'd not like what the stewards did. They took down a 40 to one shot at Saratoga the other day with the kid riding in uh, the Ortiz brothers ended up one, two. I didn't bet the race, but I thought the pre DQ winner was much the best. Yeah, there have been a lot of really bad disqualifications at both Saratoga and Del Mar, just back and forth. Uh, I, I would have left that one alone. Glenn, I completely agree with you. Great to hear from Glenn. Uh, Charles Acnelli checked in. Wade, nice to hear from Wade. I posted a funny video uh, when I was asking for your horse racing thoughts about it's like a, a race. People in, in the horse costumes And one one of the groups just runs right into the rail it's, it's pretty good Andrew Bennett was saying Last year at Del Mar uh, He had a horse that was held in the gate Cost me a pick four He said it happened again So upset with the handlers Andrew Bennett Nice to hear from Dusty Nathan Out there Don uh, Don Naderman checked in Um Elizabeth says the rail is dead at the spa. And Ricky says, I think I'd do better just betting jockeys I like. Eric uh looking at the video of the of the people in the horse costumes running into the rail. It just looks like a couple of the ones I bet at Sunday at Del Mar. Nice to hear from Rick Cook also. Haley McAvoy says, Every uh every year Saratoga surprises me. I feel like I know the track and surrounding area, but there's always more to see. Ron Grover. Said uh, DVD on the turf Mark Bonagura said terrible beat Friday at Del Mar I had the 5th race wheeled in my pick 5 A 22 to 1 shot It was going to pay me 4,000 They disqualified him Ended up getting 284 uh, The whip was dropped And the and crowded the inside runners Sad thing is was tons the best And was drawing away at the end That was a bad DQ that Mark had to deal with Yeah Mark Was not a good one Eric Smith checks in. Uh, says he feels like he's seen that kind of rail. Scott Ehrlich also checking in. Uh, Lawrence 
Max Selny says the track has been deep and tiring at times. The turf is good. The rails are out speed. The first week with the rails at zero, you can rally. Uh, the days at 30, it's been a merry-go-round. So yeah, we'll check in every week and see you know, who's been impressive, any other thoughts. But now, let's get into some of the handicapping. Delmar, let's go to Thursday, August the 8th. Just one play, and we're going to go to race number three. And that is the number three. Money don't spend itself. It's going to go first start off the claim for Jerry Hollendorfer. And it will be a six furlong race, $16,000 claimers. Last time out, he drew the rail. And, you know, he angled off the rail to the two-path. He battled. He just had nothing when he was asked. It was almost too bad to believe. Now, three and a half months off, now in the Jerry Hollendorfer barn. I look back at the prior races, and I really feel like he is going to get a great trip in here. That 12-5 race on April the 4th at Santa Anita when he sat just off, it looks like fast cotton to the inside has some speed. Looks like Weast Hill is going to be flashing some speed. And I think money don't spend itself should work out a really nice trip right behind those two. Tough but nice is also quick. So we could have you know three or four horses pushing the pace in here. And I think money don't spend itself works out a great, great trip right behind them. If you go through his races... He's actually faced, you know, a lot better um, in coming out of some pretty decent races. A couple of the other horses in here are stepping up. I don't really like to see the fact, you know, you you just don't have a very sharp field, right? Weast Hill is coming off a win back in April, but the rest of this group, they're not in the best of form. Money don't spend itself. It's a great trip. Could be a single for you in some of the early exotics if you play that early pick five. It also starts the late pick five, but we'll play the early one because that's the one with the lower takeout. So Delmar, race number three on August the 8th. The number three, money don't spend itself. Let's get to Colonial. Shout out to Colonial for that card on on Thursday. Really good card. It's a nine race card. I'm going to go through three of the races that we like. Let's get to race number five at Colonial. And we're going to go to the number seven, Kyra. Blinkers come off today for Kyra. She's a three-year-old filly. This race is mile on the turf course. It's maiden special weight. Phillies and mares, three-year-olds and up. Kyra debuted on the dirt in a really, really good race, but she didn't show a whole lot that day. When she went to the grass in her second start, she was really good. She's had a nice trip. She actually took the lead. She finished second at Tampa back in December of 2018. And then her next start on January the 6th at Tampa, she was actually the favorite, and she just didn't really have it that day. Obviously, there was some kind of a physical issue because Cairo didn't race between January and June. So I think you can put a complete line right through that January race. Total excuse there. Came back on June the 28th. It was the first start in... What, six months? Sat just off early, but wanted to go. And she actually had the lead at the top of the lane before fading. Now the slight cutback. Second off the bench. The blinkers come off. She wants to sit a little bit more. She's going to be a little more patient. I think she gets a great, great trip in here. Maybe sitting right behind the one periodical who has a little bit of speed. And Kyra will be tough. Let's make a win wager on Kyra. Anything over 3-1. to one, She looks like a very, very live runner in the fifth at Colonial Downs. The number seven, Kyra. Let's go to race number eight. And the eighth race is a first level allowance. Phillies and mares, three-year-olds and up, which have never won a race. Southern maiden claiming starter, never won two. Mile and a 16th on the inner turf course. I'm going to go to the eight. Zonda. The blinker's on. I think this could be a nice single in any of your late exotics in here. She just looks like the absolute horse to beat. Her first time on the grass was last time out, and she finished second behind a horse named Gardenista, who was your 6-5 to five favorite. That's a really solid allowance horse who's never been worse than third in six grass races. And Zonda was last, almost 10 lengths off, was saving ground on the inside, moved widest of all at the top of the lane, and was a clear-cut second. Well clear the third place finisher. It was a winning type race, but she just was behind a horse who 
ran a, a really big race that day. So Zonda, I think, could be a nice single in your late exotics. Should be really, really live. I mean, she might get bet hard because the only other play in the race. I mean, I, I gave a little bit of a look to the one. I thought the three was worth trying to play against, and the four tis a kitten. You know, I could make a little bit of a case for, but the eight is going to be the single in the late exotics. Zonda in race number eight at Colonial. Well, let's go to race number nine at Colonial. Optional 40, non two, five and a half furlongs on the turf. Let's go to the six mock tree. I love mock tree in here. He is 10 to one on the morning line. I do not think that will be the case. If he is 10 to one, I'll be very happy. And we'll make a nice big win wager on him. But I think he looks a lot more like a horse that should be five to one. So if he's in that vicinity, don't look at a race and and if you look at a you have to make sure you determine your own morning line, right? Whether or not Mock Tree goes off at 10 to 1, to me, he should be a 5 to 1 shot. So if he's 4 to 1, I'll probably still play him. If he's 3 to 1, I won't. If he's 6 to 1 or over, I'm absolutely going to play him. And that's how you have to look look at it. Sometimes you look at a horse and you go, "Oh, he's 20 to 1 in the morning line and now he's 6." Well, he probably shouldn't have ever been 20 to 1 in the morning line to begin with. So you Handicap how your own line Not what the actual morning line is You gotta make your own And see what are the differences on your own value line So Mock Tree Let's take a look at him recently Now he's coming into the Brendan Walsh barn For the first time A barn that's really good with their new acquisitions But I'm gonna go back to Let's look at his last two grass races Actually last three Look who he faced at Gulfstream Park on February the 24th Clyde's Image who's a graded stakes placed runner And then That April 4th race at Keeneland Really was not a bad race He Was right up on the pace early on And he finished behind Admission Office Who's multiple graded stakes placed Since that race Admission Office Has finished second and third in grade two races Say the word won an allowance was then third in the grade two King Edward next out Instilled regard as a legitimate graded stakes type That April 4th race was a tough, tough race at Keeneland He only ran, he was fifth and he was only beating a couple lengths He really was not bad that day at all, Mock Tree And that was going a mile The next couple races Synthetic at Arlington Off the turf at Churchill Off the turf at Churchill I think you can just excuse those, right? They, they are not relevant to this turf race And then last time out July the 13th Broke well But didn't seem very comfortable early on Took back to third Loomed up at the top of the lane Was three deep of four Battled But he faded It just wasn't the smoothest of trips Even that in, in that race The fourth place finisher Came back to win A 40 restricted claimer next out So you're coming Your last two grass races Have been productive Eckersley is a nice Upper allowance type horse would be very, very tough in here. And then that April 4th race on the grass, you have a tough group. And even the fourth place finisher was a next out optional 35 winner at Canterbury with a 91 buyer speed figure. Now Mock Tree cuts back. He has the speed to put him in striking range. I don't think he's going to be on the lead going five and a half furlongs with a couple others in here who have some sprint speed and might be coming out of some quicker races. But if he is close, cutting back, he's going to be really tough to pass. Cutting back out of some tough races. He has a little back class too. They've always thought highly of this horse. All of his connections, and now he's in a new barn. Mock Tree, the number six, race number nine at Colonial Downs on opening day. Anything around five to one or over. Let's put a nice big win wager on the six. Mock Tree. Let's close things out. Little Monday Night Raw and SmackDown overview. So we began Monday Night Raw with Samoa Joe uh, interrupting the commentary. He's standing on the table screaming. He didn't do anything to Roman. He wants an apology. What I like about this is it it wasn't your typical opening to Monday Night Raw. Just a promo in the ring. It wasn't like that. We then come uh, Becky and. Charlotte come out It's Becky and Charlotte versus Natty and Trish Stratus Trish Stratus doesn't get in the ring it, she, She's in the match But she never gets in She's never tagged in So when I'm initially I'm watching this I would have preferred to save her Comeback 
for SummerSlam on Sunday, but she never really got in it. And it was mainly to kind of set up the aggressive turn that we're getting from Natty. Set up both of these matches okay. Charlotte versus Trish on Sunday. We're going to get Becky versus Natalia in a submission match for the women's, the Raw Women's Championship. Charlotte tagged herself in. She was really laying on that heel shtick to Trish. And then after a back and forth match, Charlotte ends up attacking her own teammate Becky. She walks off. Trish never gets into the match. Natty then locks in the sharpshooter. Becky gets to the ropes, but Natty will not break the hold. She gets DQ'd. And then Natty shoves her own teammate Trish while Becky sells the knee injury. Next up, it was Ray versus Andrade. And these two have really good chemistry. I love this Ray Andrade match with uh, Andrade with Zelina Vega, as always. Andrade nearly unmasked Ray last week. And it's a real quick pace to start the match. The crowd was really into it. Ray dives through the bottom rope and he hits a sunset flip on Andrade into the barricade outside of the ring. Then uh, a sunset bomb from Ray, some big chops from Andrade. Ray gets caught up in the turnbuckle and the ropes. A big two-footed stomp to the chest from Andrade. A crucifix driver from Ray. I mean, just back and forth action. Double knees from Andrade to Ray in the corner. Another driver by Mysterio. A sunset pile driver for a near fall. Then 619, Zelina distracts Ray in the middle. She ends up costing Ray the three. Andrade tries to rip the mask off again. That Selena Vega interference and that assist twice was what helped Andrade get the win. It was a really good match. We continue on with the 24-7 title shtick with Maria and Mike Kanellis. And the Maria is at the OBGYN. She tells Mike his one job is to protect her, the baby, and the 24-7 title. He then lays her down and pins her with the ref dressed up as the OBGYN. R-Truth and Carmella are in the waiting room. Then R-Truth takes the title back via a roll-up. We then get a Becky promo. And I thought this was a really good promo. This was the best Becky promo we've had in a while. It was intense. She didn't stumble or stutter or anything. It was clean. And then Natty's promo was really basic. It was really flat. She seemed like she repeated herself a lot. Up next, Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman come out. We recap the beatdown of Seth Rollins last week. He is supposed to be off TV selling his injury, but then Heyman tells us Rollins is actually there. Out comes Seth Rollins, barely able to walk down the ramp, steel chair in hand. Paul Heyman yelling, you're going to get hurt. I can't stop it this time. It's not worth it. Why the hell would you show up? Those were great. That, That was the best part. I didn't like this. I thought Seth should have stayed off TV this week. I didn't like the real overselling. He doesn't get any offense in. He gets destroyed again by Brock Lesnar. Because the question that you ask is like, where's Roman? Where's Becky? I know they have their own story angle, storylines and angles going on, but they should be there. Seth gets his mic. He cuts a weird promo and where he's asking, is it worth it? And then he turns it around at the end. He says, I'll be at SummerSlam. I'll beat Brock Lesnar. I guarantee it. He slowly walks to the back. And the cha- the crowd starts to get behind him a little bit with low burn it down chance. Kurt Angle is going to be the referee between uh, Cedric Alexander and Drew McIntyre. The Street Profits are in the back. They're beatboxing. Kurt Angle's theme. They bust out the red solo cups with milk. And then Drew McIntyre interrupts the interaction there. Up next, it's a Viking Raiders squash match. Got to give a big shout out to Corey Graves for getting a Coheed and Cambria mention in. How uh, one of the opponents of the Viking Raiders looked like Coheed and Cambria, lead singer. Then was the Harley Race tribute. Harley Race passed away 25 years in the wrestling business, former NWA champion and Hall of Famer, one of the all time greats, Harley Race. Before the Drew McIntyre-Cedric Alexander match started, Drew attacks Cedric from behind. Cedric counters with the DDT outside of the ring, and then the lights go out, and here comes the Fiend. Bray Wyatt attacks Kurt Angle with the Mandible Claw. Looks like the Fiend will be using the Mandible Claw. Next up was New Day versus the OC. No, not my, my friends Ryan, Seth, and Summer, and Marissa. We're talking about Gallows and Anderson with AJ Styles. 
They immediately attack the New Day before the match. Uh, here comes Ricochet. Really formulaic save, but it was a hot save from Ricochet. He comes in, he looked really good doing it. Of course, this leads to a six-man tag match. The OC gets the win. Samoa Joe comes back out demanding an apology. He goes to the ring to call out Roman Reigns. You know, I don't know if it was what he was wearing and he didn't really sound great. I just didn't like the way Joe looked in this segment. Wasn't a huge fan of it. And Joe is is one of the best when it comes to cutting promos in the entire company. He kind of he kept repeating himself again. He leaves the ring to go find Roman Reigns. Roman shows up in the parking lot. He's getting out of the car to confront Joe, and then a car comes speeding at Roman. It goes to hit Roman, and he dives back into the car. The cars make contact, then the car speeds away. Joe gets serious. He actually comes over to help Roman and to look for help for Roman. Triple H is out there. And so now we have ha- we have a who done it? Who hit Roman? This was the follow-up last week when all the equipment was pushed onto Roman. It looked like someone dropped it from the forklift. The big who done it. I think the car incident was done better than the forklift the week before, but Sometimes we really have to suspend our disbelief for uh, for some of these, right? We had a women's tag team elimination match. Nice job by uh, Corey. Mandy Knight Raw, because Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville were one of the teams. Alexa and Nikki were another. Kyrie and Asuka. And the Iconics, it was a four-way elimination match. The Iconics were eliminated first by Mandy. Then Asuka eliminates Mandy and Sonya. And Alexa and Nikki... With the final elimination, they win. They are your new women's tag team champions. To close out Monday Night Raw, we had The Miz in a contract signing. We thought it was going to be Miz versus Dolph Ziggler at SummerSlam. Well, The Miz tricked Dolph Ziggler. Shawn Michaels was in the ring with him. And The Miz told Dolph that he did not sign a contract to face Miz on Sunday at SummerSlam. He signed a contract to face Goldberg on Sunday. So Goldberg comes out, and it will be Goldberg versus Dolph Ziggler on Sunday at Survivor Series. On a SmackDown, Charlotte opens up, and she goes to put on a video package. And it is actually a video package of Trish. Trish Trichter. And then Trish comes out. They have their little in-ring face-off. Trish actually slaps Charlotte before Charlotte leaves. I'm looking forward to this Trish Charlotte Sunday, SummerSlam. Dolph Ziggler uh, does the Goldberg entrance impersonation. You just see Goldberg's music pop up on the Titantron. and, And then you think Goldberg's coming out, but no, it's really Ziggler backstage. He attacks Rey Mysterio before the match And he says he's going after the legends now Mustafa, Once Mustafa Ali Now just Ali ends up coming out Ziggler beats Ali in a back and forth Then Roman Reigns comes on for an interview He apologizes to Samoa Joe And he says he does not know who the attacker is He's going to try to find out Next match is Natty Natalia versus Ember Moon Both women will be Battling for their respective Women's championship this weekend, Natty will be facing Becky for the Raw. Ember Moon will be facing Bailey for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Natty holds, uh, hooks in the sharpshooter on Ember outside of the ring, and she will not let go. So she gets DQ'd. She's trying to really lay it in with this uh, new aggressive side of Natalia for that submission match. Bailey actually comes out for the save, and there's a little awkward interaction between Bailey and Ember Moon. Kevin Owens and Shane O'Mac. It's the KO show. Owens tries to get Shane to put his career on the line. Shane disagrees, says he won't. With help from Elias, they're able to beat down Kevin Owens, turn the announce table over on him. A jump drop kick from Shane to Kevin Owens' face with a chair. It's a pretty solid beatdown. Shane's done a pretty good job with this heel run. Next up, Sami Zayn calls out Aleister Black, and we get a quick. Glorified squash where Alistair Black Goes over Sammy Such a bummer Sammy is is so good in ring Really good cutting promos He just never gets his opportunity When when they're going to get really behind him He's the type of uh, Who they're always okay with beating He can always take a pin It's just such a bummer 
Another weird Shelton Benjamin promo Or non-promo where he's just kind of moving his eyes around Firefly Flunhouse Bray Wyatt wants you to let me in The Fiend, let me in I like this back and forth And I'm, I'm hoping that They'll be able to do something a little bit different With Bray when he's in the ring Because the backstage segments And the, this Firefly Funhouse stuff is good But how will they tweak it Now that Bray is going to actually have to wrestle The Fiend is going to actually have to wrestle See Chad Gable backstage He's got a new haircut, looking very tan Some interaction with him and Elias Hopefully we can get a nice little push for Chad Gable After SummerSlam, tons of talent Could be a great babyface with his size Loved the Kofi interview I really like what they've done with this Kofi and Randy Orton stuff They're using a little bit of reality to it Kofi talked about how he thought he had made it He thought the crowd was behind him He was in a match against Randy Orton And then his loss to Orton The rumors about Orton holding him back afterwards He was wondering why he was never good enough to be here But not at the top level And he finally now has broken through This Kofi-Orton match could be really good New Day versus Daniel Bryan and Rowan It was a solid match that ends in a DQ When Rowan uses the steel steps And they just lay out the New Day Roman ends up confronting Buddy Murphy We saw Buddy Murphy in the background When the forklift was dropped on Roman last week Kind of a weird character to be in this with Roman But Buddy Murphy says he saw Rowan do it So that is Smackdown That's the way Smackdown ends Right now, tentative look at The SummerSlam card Looks like we're going to have Becky versus Natty in a a submission match For the Raw Women's title Charlotte versus Trish Bayley versus Ember Moon, Smackdown Women's title Kevin Owens versus Shane O'Mac If Kevin Owens loses, he quits Finn Balor versus Bray AJ Styles versus Ricochet For the US title Kofi Kingston versus Randy Orton for the WWE Championship, Brock Lesnar versus Seth for the US title or for the Universal title and Dolph Ziggler versus Goldberg. Question marks. Something with Ray and Andrade, something with the men's tag, the OC, something with the men's tag with the New Day. Maybe we get the Ode- the New Day versus the OC match that we didn't get. Do we get another Sami Zayn versus Alistair Black? Do we get a Nakamura Ali? What about the women's tags? Roman, Daniel Bryan, Samoa Joe, Drew McIntyre, and Cedric. We have, I think, nine matches listed, and there could be another one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Like they could have seven or eight more. With a two hour pre show, we will give you a full in depth look with predictions with Chad, the party pooper Cooper. So make sure to tune in. For the next episode of That's What G Said We'll have some weekend horse racing to talk about An interview with Chad Cooper Where we're going to talk wrestling We're going to talk Houston Astros We're going to talk Houston Texans A little college football look in Also on the next episode We're going to recap Beverly Hills 90210 The new, the remake We'll watch that And we'll get back with some thoughts If you can folks Please head on over and leave a nice 5 star rating And review on iTunes Those are big helps If you can subscribe on SoundCloud On YouTube, on iTunes, everywhere You can find That's What G Said Google Podcasts, TuneIn Big help, really appreciate it Have a great next few days And I'll be back with another episode Of That's What G Said before the weekend Joey my friend, take it away